0: We were in college. The very nascent um, idea came to us when we decided, like, we would love to do a silent film, but in a modern context. When we think about silent films, like we always think about, like Charlie Chaplin's, like City Lights, and like Buster Keaton movies, or Jacques Tati, and we thought, man, it would be really special to do something in like the horror space, but just totally quiet, and no dialogue. But we just didn't know how to to make that work. The Quiet Place always had to focus on a single family, in part because the movie is a metaphor for communication. I mean, in a very literal way in terms of silence and survival, but the fact of the matter is this family also has their own interpersonal problems, and that's beneath the surface of the movie. We always felt that focusing on a family that has a rift is going to be the best window into a genre movie. I hope that when an audience goes to see Quiet Place, they love living in the silence because the silence is so much more suspenseful than jump scares that you usually see in horror films. Um, I know that we go to movie theaters to see horror movies because it elicits a reaction from from the audience. And so to sit in that silence and just wait and wait and wait, I think will be an incredible experience.
1: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Dave, and Kat. Hello. Hi. Hello. hello. This week, Shh. A Quiet Place 1 and A Quiet Place Part 2. If you had told me only five years ago that I would be a, a big fan of the wildly successful new horror franchise by John Krasinski... Um, I would have thought that sounded pretty strange, but here we are. A Quiet Place Part 2 is out in theaters now. We have all been to the theaters finally again. Yay,
2: everyone.
3: (laughs) Woo!
2: So we have A Quiet Place 2018, directed by, as Trent mentioned, our friend John Krasinski. He also wrote this with Brian Woods and Scott Beck, who wrote the movie Haunt that we've talked about previously, and I believe we all loved it. They have a couple cool things coming up I'll talk about later, but A Quiet Place You meet the Abbots, a family in the middle of a dystopian world, right away. There's no backstory. There is nothing. You are just thrust into what they're dealing with, and the caption says Day 470. So you have Lee, the father, played by John Krasinski, so he also stars in the movie, Evelyn, the mother, Emily Blunt. Then you have Millicent Simmons as the daughter, Regan, and Noah Jupe as their son, Marcus. And basically, monsters have come to Earth, and if you make a sound, you're dead. And the entire movie, you don't get dialogue until about 38 minutes in. It is literally a quiet movie until it's not. And I love this. This is an incredibly emotional movie. I love the fact that they don't give you backstory. We'll talk about the sequel later and you get a major payoff in that regard. But this is probably one of my favorite horror movies in the last you know, three, four years since it came out. And honestly, when it ended, I never thought, okay, this is going to make 340 mil at the box office. And it's definitely not going to give us a sequel, but it's done both. And now I'm just saving my pennies in my movie jar because I can't wait to see part three. What did you guys think?
3: I loved A Quiet Place. Uh, Within the first 10 minutes, you know, it's going to be a heartbreaker and it's just so, so good. Um, I think it was definitely an unexpected move personally for me from watching Jim on The Office for eight seasons. Um, so I was not expecting this kind of film to come from him. It's beautifully shot, beautifully acted. The creatures are very terrifying. Uh, I think if I had to try to survive in that world, it would not go very well. I'd probably just take myself out very quickly uh, because I don't think I could uh, uh, handle the kind of situation that they're all uh, dealing with. They're so fast and then that first scene where you first see the monster, it just took my breath away. It was an audible gasp, absolutely. Uh, Anytime you feel relaxed in any way during this film, just know that that is absolutely about to end and something stressful will be occurring momentarily. But it does have its heartwarming moments Uh, like, you know, the the parents dancing to the little like you know iPod you know uh, headphones and and then like the little silent prayer that's kind of creepy but also heartwarming uh, that they do at dinner there's just also like a large theme of self-sacrifice which is also equally as heartbreaking Um, I definitely wept at the end of this movie but I think we all know that I'm definitely a crier short trip (laughs) And I, uh, I, I just, I think my favorite part is the transitions between what the daughter is experiencing audibly because she's deaf, and what the others are. Um, you know, her co- cochlear implant plays a big role in the eventual way to get rid of these, you know, sons of bitches that we'll find, you know, towards the end of the second movie. Um, but it was just uh, the most stressful and noisy thing, though. I can think of happening during a time like this would be having a a baby be born and or raised in that situation Um, because you can't control babies. Babies are loud. They're going to yell. They're going to do their little baby things. Um, So my hot take is that they should have just nipped that baby in the bud. Probably maybe uh, don't bring a baby into this, uh, into this uh, uh, creepy uh, silent world. But uh, yeah, I really loved this movie. Obviously, um, if I didn't, I think I would have been kicked out of this podcast because I think it's just an awesome horror movie and I just really loved it.
4: Um, yeah, I love A Quiet Place um, and I like it in the completion with the second movie even more. Like Going back and watching it a second time after um, seeing the sequel it was really cool and if you know, like Trent was saying, like if a younger me could look into the future and see that the kings of horror right now would be John Krasinski and Jordan Peele. <laughs> I mean, I would be more surprised than I would be if I was like a kid and I found out like Bill Cosby made horror or something like that. <laughs> well, it's like, well,
3: that's horrible in its own <laughs> way, but didn't that happen?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he made some horror.
4: Yeah, his his stuff is even too hardcore for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I love the I feel like the aspect of storytelling, um, with John Krasinski is is amazing. I feel like a lot of the stories told cinematically, and even like the the tone of every shot uh, and every what's about to happen. Uh, is laid out cinematically, uh, the camera is like erratic when you're supposed to be nervous and it's still when you're supposed to be building suspense. Um, But I love a lot of those techniques and I love the the sound design. Any movie where uh, like someone's ear rings or they go deaf or any of the the senses uh, go and they they do that auditorily, uh, and, and like work it around the score and, and like take out the score or muffle the score. It's I love that stuff It's super um, impacting when you're watching a horror movie and it It like gives you like this claustrophobic feeling every time it, it goes cuts to that. So I mean this is a great flick uh, I, I'd i say um, Of the two uh, this one to me has a little bit more brevity. It's like less of a straight-up action movie like the second one is but um you know, they both uh, are very good at telling the story, and the, the continuity uh, is amazing. I, I liked going back a lot. What do you think, Trent?
1: I absolutely love this movie. Um, I've realized now that this is a little bit of a Trojan horse, I think. Um, and much like The Human Centipede, I would say that this is a instant classic. Like, this is a movie that is already <laughs> classic now. It, it's jumped... Oh, God it's jumped the queue into class well it, I mean if you want to dispute that we can get into that later but I, I would say this you know we're already it's over like a quiet place is now a legendary classic horror franchise just like that it's amazing how it happened but the first time I saw this I saw, um, I saw it at the theater and my main takeaway was just like I loved the life that the abbots led I felt like this is a, a utopian vision where nobody can speak And you have to be quiet, and you can't make a lot of noise, and you just have to shut the hell up, you know, for one minute, or die. Mm -hmm. And if you can't be quiet, you can't keep it to yourself then you're going to die. And uh, you live on a big farm with a a beautiful farmhouse and a barn and a a, a silo filled with grain. You're right next to a giant cornfield. You have rolling hills. It's always golden hour. The sun is always right there. You're fishing like pre-industrial fishing methods you're living off the land you're churning butter I don't know if they churned, but they might as well have been churning butter they're walking barefoot through the forest like this is the most back-to-basics thing there's no um, smartphones there's no internet there's no nothing and that was so appealing to me um, you know aside from the like getting killed all the time by uh, mm. aliens and stuff that aside I was like man this really like it really struck me and now I realize seeing it again that this is actually, here's the Trojan horse part, uh, bad news for you heathens that I do this podcast with, godless heathens uh, with me here. This is the greatest trad horror movie of all time. What does oh, that mean? What out is out of a trad What's a trad Traditional Catholic. John Krasinski. Get out. Uh, from Boston, Massachusetts, is the son of a Polish Catholic immigrant uh, father and his mother was a... Uh, actually, not not an immigrant, but he was uh, Polish Catholic. His mother was Irish Catholic, and this movie is a manifesto. This is a traditional values Christian manifesto, starting with the Abbot family. Do you guys know? Does anyone know what an Abbot is?
2: Mm-mm. Tell us, Trent. I can't wait.
1: This got deep. An Abbot is the male head of a monastery. Oh. Wow. Look it up, folks. Um the female head would be an abbess. Um so right away that's sort of what this is. This is the the figurehead overseeing his flock living the is that monastery. that what abba means? What's that? Is that what abba means? Um,
4: I'm not sure how it relates to Swedish
1: uh, disco. Uh, I've been li- I've been actually listening to
4: ABBA this week. I love
3: ABBA. Let's but one get of th- that out of the way first. One of the
1: most striking early scenes in the movie, and it's one that I don't think we see very often, is the uh, fervent um, prayer scene at the table with the whole family. Um, That's pretty rare. We usually see like seances and we see, you know, uh, ceremonies and people praying to Satan and stuff like that. Mm. Or if we see them praying to um, a more holy figures, it's usually like a criticism of religion. We talk about that all the time. Um, So I think that's really special the way this movie does that. And to answer your question, Kat, I think that... um, that, f- that frame of reference answers everything that happens in the story. And that question that you have, which has come up before in these dystopian movies about, you know, why have a kid in a zombie apocalypse? Mm. I'll tell you why, because this is the most deeply, um, not politically, but just philosophically, religiously pro-choice in the deepest sense. That's what this movie is about, mm. is the promulgation of life you're going to push life forward because there's no other reason to live. And that's what they do in this movie. And that's what I think makes it very special.
4: It, it's really gross to watch you gloat like that over <laughs> those facts and just pop your way. Thanks for not dropping my mic. That's, I gave you the best one. Well, that's a, that's a hot take, though. Kevin, you know anything about Jesus.
2: I hate that take so much, oh. and I know Trent. We just talked last night in in the upcoming Patreon episode about how writers you can't trust what they say about a movie when they're nope. giving interviews because they don't want to split the audience or they don't want to tip their hands. And maybe maybe Krasinski did you know slide some of that stuff in, but he's also been quoted as saying like, "No, that wasn't my intention. Like, don't look into oh, it that that's, deeply."
4: Oh, you're just uh, proving so, Trent's me. point, though. Yeah.
2: yeah well, no, that's what I'm saying. So I'm just saying I. I I noticed I noticed the prayer I noticed obviously like I've, everybody is railing on this about like pro life and stuff I really don't want to go down this rabbit hole I think it takes a ton away from the enjoyment for me watching the movie and man that just took the wind out of my well, sails no, you know, the,
4: the thing Sad. that I like though is um, you know how like in some movies like especially these movies is well every single shot is of something if there's a sign and there's camera's lingering there it wasn't like it's a sign that's just been there like they usually make a lot of this signage and all that stuff for the movies because they don't want to unless they have a deal with Budweiser or Pepsi or whatever you know so I don't know It, it makes you wonder if there is if you can put meaning behind every single thing in there and there's people working on this that are being thoughtful Mm. they must be going in some angle with it. You know? I
2: mean, I, f- yeah. I feel like I could make a human centipede about Catholicism if I really, really wanted to. And, and the reason I laughed about that, is, Trent, is that you were comparing the human centipede to A Quiet Place, and I knew exactly what roads you were going down.
1: Well, I just meant in terms of both being instant uh, classics. But, um, yeah, I, I knew that um, my take would be received coldly uh, among this uh, I'm, I'm like, I, I feel like but, I'm
4: being pretty open what do you cat you haven't really chimed in on this uh...
3: on the Catholicism thing? well yeah
1: I mean that's why that you your your question was why I have a baby and I'm saying the, the answer to that is why raise the two kids that are already there yeah because merely merely existing is not really living that's not really life yeah, you have but, to push life forward but
3: in this situation do you think in this exact moment this is the absolute perfect time to push a baby out like no. no nip that in the bud for a second maybe and then further down the line once you figure out how to destroy these monsters or how to at least get them away from you then yeah fucking have a kid i don't give a shit but in that moment they gotta make a weird box and they gotta find oxygen tanks to keep this baby alive like there's so many other resources that you could be putting towards this effort to keep the children that you've already had and raised and are keeping alive, alive.
2: You're making Trent, you just made Trent's point for him. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you just made Trent's point for him. (laughs)
1: Listen, Listen, guys, I've been down this rabbit hole. I mean, all you have to do is think it through. I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm just saying that each point of of the movie, Logically flows from the same theme and the theme isn't political. It's not about you have to be You should be a right-wing conservative Christian or anything like that It's just about the meaning of life and, and the purpose of life and, and it boils down to family mm. and that and that's where Krasinski always goes in the interviews, you know, it's about family He just had a second kid when he made this with Emily Blunt and that is what it's about at its most universal and at its most non-threatening to people who aren't into organized religion it is about the family but you know a family only exists when people create more members of the family otherwise you're not going to have a family what are they going to tell the kids uh we just survive until you
2: die and that's it we're you know I, cho- I chose to view it yes I, I love the family aspect i chose to view it is that they're having a, a, the child because somebody needs to start repopulating the earth so we can take these monsters down yes exactly if it, that That's the way that I chose. What are you talking so about? How are we going to take a the monsters baby? if everyone's dead, cat? Uh. <laughs> Look, the scariest part of the entire movie is that box. So we need the baby so we can have the box. Because uh. let's be honest, even if this baby survives, it's going to be the most fucked up thing on the planet. Uh. Even worse than the monsters. Yeah, so We've seen a
4: lot of these apocalypse movies where, you know, the, the you have to repopulate and the baby's the really hot commodity. Like, you know, the, the photo women... <laughs> Yes. You know what I mean? Of course. Uh, if to get people get desperate and they're like, what if there's no more people? When the monsters
3: are gone, then start making more ba- Listen, I'm not trying to make any political statements. I'm just saying, get that baby out of there.
1: If uh, I, I would time travel and I would kill the Abbott baby. I would skip right over Hitler. It's the Antichrist. It's the omen. This No, this this baby really does have a tough life. Obviously, the baby makes things very difficult when you have to be totally silent or you're going to be killed by mm. presumably aliens. So the whole movie, they have to keep putting the baby in the in the baby box. Instead of a bird box, it's a baby box. And um, they have like an oxygen tank attached to the baby box so that it can breathe in there. And I kept thinking like, what... You know, what is this kid going to tell people when he's, a, or she's a little bit older, like, oh, yeah, you know, my parents kept me in a coffin uh, for the first few <laughs> years of my life mm-hmm. with a lid over it, uh, but I could breathe in there just fine. <laughs> it's fine. Well, I mean, everyone has it different in epoxy. I mean, that's apocalypse. pretty Catholic, If actually, if we want to
4: <laughs> talk about self-sacrifice, you know?
2: Oh, my God. The baby's going to know sign language before it knows how to speak. That's a goal.
4: Mm. Well, well, how about this? I want to take it a few trimesters later. And talk about how happy I am that the kid died. The other kid on the bridge. Mm. The kid gets it in the beginning. Bo. Um, Yeah, and it's it's surprising because this is a pretty pedestrian uh, family kind of horror movie. Uh, More so the second one than this one. But this one still is pretty... It's PG-13. It's pretty safe. And the kid gets killed. And, you know, the kid... uh, he, He was killing me. You know, he's not following the directions he's Mm-mm. sneaking the batteries Mm-mm. and putting them in the yeah. thing and it's just like you have to make your you have to be able to communicate with your child to understand that you can't do these things there's great things at stake um so i i was a little satisfied like i felt like he, like he was some dead weight he was a real wild card loose <laughs> loose
1: cannon for sure baby yeah. Bo
2: was a loose cannon and and i, I, I thought go ahead I th- I thought that that was like the most important scene in the movie, because that that sort of sets the emotional path for the entire flick. Is that Regan feels responsible for why he died, and the rest of the movie you 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 you, f- you flash forward a little bit and you get like uh, there's a real rift between Regan and her dad Lee, and that whole thing sets the tone for the movie. Whether or not you enjoyed it, like Dave, uh, it really sort of like brings brings the whole climax like it it all heads back there and then i love that the spot where where he died is revisited in the second movie i mean he just like 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 the use of of some of the scenery in this movie is is just as effective as some of the characters but yeah i mean that that was a pretty intense scene to for a for a movie that's pg-13 to start out in the first five minutes like that i was like okay i'm in yeah, th- this is the cold open, and I think
1: it's one of the best cold opens I've seen. I'm a big fan of that. This is the first thing that happens in the movie, you know, and it's, I think, one of the great cold opens that um, that we've seen. And, Kevin, to your point about um, Regan and dad, like, I really love the idea that, you know, the dad and his, what is she, tween, say, a tween daughter, they mm-hmm. speak different languages literally you know obviously he speaks they all speak sign language but it's learned you know it's more of a second language for for him and it's a first language for her there's a whole scene where they have an argument just in sign an argument over the hearing aid that he's been he's like constantly trying to rebuild these old hearing aids that i guess they they scavenge or whatever and trying to make one work for regan they have this whole argument about it and it's an argument in sign and it's so um it's it's pretty profound. It's, and it's painful. And then then there's a scene after that where Regan is in her bedroom and she tries the hearing aid on. And of course it doesn't work. And she just silently cries and it's dead silent. You know, whenever the, the scene is from Regan's perspective, it's everything. There's no sound in the movie, which I thought was really effective. And it just, it illustrates that sort of disconnection between her and her dad, that they, they just really are like on
2: different planes. Well, it's a it's a total disconnect from the universe that's going on. I mean, the fact that that Regan is deaf is, in and of itself, it just adds another layer. And the fact that they they cast Millicent Simmons, who is a deaf actress, is really really great, a uh, huge step forward. You know, for 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 casting. But yeah, I mean, that's another thing you think about. You're in you're you're in a world where you can't already communicate the way that we all know how to communicate ninety nine percent of the time. Now you have to communicate with sign language. So this family actually has an advantage over the rest of the world. This family all knows sign language. Regan is actually a benefit to them. Because now they all can speak and communicate this other way. Whereas I would love to see sort of like a side movie where you have like us and we're hand gesturing like idiots and dropping stuff and we'd all be dead. And like the cold Mm -hmm. open would be us dead.
1: I really appreciated that there was no uh, mission in this movie, like usually in the dystopian after times horror movie, like there's always some sort of mission and that comes up more in the sequel. But this is like, you know, almost solely focused on not, you know, physical survival as much as like the survival of this family unit and the, the tension and the conflict. And the, you know, the mission, if, if there is one, is actually like just keeping this family together and forwarding, you know, the life of the infant. They don't they're not like trying to go find a ring or whatever it is, get to the mall or, you know, get to the island or this and that, you know, that kind of traditional stuff um, was very much more about this, like back to basics family, totally stripped of everything modern and with the, the conflicts within that family and trying to resolve those things while not getting eaten by. What I think would represent, you know, the inherent evils that are lurking uh, all around this family.
4: I feel like it pulls off what The Walking Dead wants to pull off. Yes, totally. With like family stuff. I, I'm picturing uh, John Krasinski going to like his film store where he works or wherever um, to make movies. <laughs> he <and> works <laughs> at the film store, <laughs> the Hollywood film store, and then going down to photo video market. Court. And then uh, Dwight Schrute says that you know, like don't you know you're you're never gonna make it with that kind of movie. Like people don't even make any sound. Uh, you know, movies got to be action packed. It's got to have more monsters. And I think that then that made Jim
2: make a quiet place too.
4: Because I feel like it was—it seems like it was maybe co-produced by Dwight Schrute.
2: I think it had something to do with the three hundred and forty million dollars that the first one made. But you could be right. You could be onto something. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, Krasinski actually like grew up with uh, what's the guy's name? Is it B.J. Novak? Yeah. from The Office. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like yes. they were like the um, poor man's Matt Damon and Ben Affleck or something <laughs> you know, from Boston. From Boston. I thought the labor scene. Emily Blunt's character is, I think it's Evelyn, I believe, she actually gives birth during one, what I thought was one of the most tense hmm. and scariest. That was legit scary when yeah. the monster is in the house. Um, I was like, this is a good old fashioned scary movie. In addition to everything else, it really works on that visceral level. The nail on the basement stairs—the scariest
4: uh, thing in the world—as
1: classic as it gets. It's, the, it's yeah. the scariest
2: part of the movie. The box <laughs> is the scariest thing. The second thing is the nail. The nail is fe- is the like third most featured character in the Quiet Place
4: <laughs> <brand laughs> I watch, I watch. We all do. We watch the most grotesque, shocking stuff ever made, and I don't even cringe. And like, I just like fall out of my chair when yeah. I see that nail scene.
2: Yeah. Even I like- was gonna, I was gonna turn it off if they gave the nail a second, and then there's a potentially third, and yeah. then again in the second one, I was like, get the nail out of here, man. <laughs> yeah. I have a nail like that at my house for real.
4: No, <laughs> get- yeah. nail that down. It's just the top of the nail; it's not the like pointy part, <sighs> but it still really sucks. Uh, Every once in <laughs> a while, you catch it right between, like your big toe and your other toe. Yeah, yeah. I just look at it and be like, I should get a hammer.
3: Yeah.
1: I thought I thought it very effectively married that like terror in the basement and the basement uh, stairs nail and the, the horror of that situation with the, you know, the like I don't know, was just like Jesus born in Palestine or something. You know, she's she's giving Baby birth Jesus.
2: in the bathtub,
1: <laughs> you know, in the bathtub surrounded by like literal imminent death. Again, mm. again like just you know, birth in the in life in the face of the most hostile environment possible. It's just brilliant stuff all around. Mm.
4: a manger almost
3: almost a, the tub basically <laughs> is a manger oh my god you know what would have uh taken care of all that just like get rid of that baby and then this whole oh. thing wouldn't have happened
1: um you have the grain silo scene classic horror scene very very scary brought back uh my memories of quicksand as a kid you have uh regan and uh marcus the kids they they get trapped in the Uh, grain silo, and the grain is like pulling them down like quicksand would, like I always worried about as a kid running around the woods of Maine, I might, you know, I was always on the lookout for quicksand, Uh, very scary scene, would be a horrible way to die, and then of course one of the monsters finds them in there as well, so um, it just, it rides that rail, and we've mentioned how it's like so family-friendly, like there's nothing... None of the usual gross-out stuff that some of us really like to uh, to get into. You know, there's really none of that. It's PG-13, and it's great. It does all of the scary horror movie things, um, and it does more than that. And it does it in a way that's so tasteful. I just I couldn't be a bigger fan of um, Krasinski. Emily Blunt is tremendous in this. The kids are really great. It's just uh, top-notch all around.
2: Shut! You're like the Independent Network News on, on Channel 9. Everywhere that you go, no matter where you are at, I said you talk about this, and you talk about that. When the cat took your tongue, I
3: say you took it right back. Your mouth is so big, one bite could kill a big, big
0: man. You talk too much. Never shut up.
1: I said a Quiet Place, up. Part 2 is out now in theaters. We have all been to see A Quiet Place Part Two. Guys, Mm, another round of applause. We're back at the movies. I
3: went twice, I went a second time. I went
1: twice also. Wow,
3: we all went twice.
4: Yeah. Everybody doubled up. That's cool. We did the podcast twice because I
2: <laughs> Oh great. Yeah, that's wicked cool. That's so cool. We should do this every week. <laughs>
4: every two weeks.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh what more do you need to know about a quiet place part two, other than the four of us all independently of one another? have been to see this movie twice. I would recommend doing that. Um, I think this is one of, I was going to say one of the best horror sequels of all time, but that's such a low bar. I, <laughs> I, I might go as far as calling this one of the best sequels, you know, something that I'm not, you know, as a rule, um, a big fan of. I think that you know the majority, probably if we're being honest of certainly horror sequels, um, not usually... The, the, the ones that you talk about are usually the exception to the rule. Um, as the title indicates in the part two, this is a traditional linear sequel. It picks up not long after the first story um, ends. This is, there's no meta. Um, there is a flashback scene, which I think is very effective at the beginning of this, but this picks up the story with the entire cast. Um, no scabs. Even Larkin's market is back playing larkin's market from a quiet place um you do have the addition of cillian murphy which i thought was tremendous and reminded me of uh some obvious other movies but i really really liked this one um as far as sequels go and especially if you're trying to make a sequel to something that i think is so uniquely special in a quiet place i don't think you can really hope for much better than a quiet place part two kevin i know you feel the same way i don't even know why we're doing this one
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say this is one of the best horror sequels of all time mm. for an original mm. franchise and not like a remake or anything like that. I know everyone's gonna like like go scream two on me and be like, "Oh, aliens!" And sure, sure, there's, there's, there's a couple. Plenty classic sequels. What's that?
1: There's a couple. It's not like there has never been another one, but this is up there with those, right?
2: This is up there. This is up there. I mean, I'm not gonna go as far as to compare it to a human centipede and call it an instant classic, but it's one of the greatest <laughs> wow. horror sequels. Of all time. I love it. I mean, you never, like I said before about the first one, you never thought you were going to see, you know, a sequel to this movie. The first one ends kind of perfectly if it were to stay as this insulated indie film where, you know, events have transpired, the family has to get out of there, and it just ends with Emily Blunt cocking a shotgun. You're like, okay. great To me, it left enough to the imagination. It filled my heart. It broke my heart. But then to get (laughs) the cold open on this one... With the flashback, instead of day four seventy, like the first one starts, you get day one. And you're like, Oh my God. You know, a little CGI heavy. You see I think you see more of the monsters in this one. I've I've debated that now that I've seen them both a bunch back to back, but a little CGI heavy, but it is so good. Like you start to understand, oh wait, you know, by the way, wasn't it Michael Bay that produced some of these movies and got behind them? All right, we get some action in the beginning but it's still appropriately emotional and you get a really nice introduction to killian murphy's character and you get to know a little bit more about the family dynamic and all of that yeah this this is crazy and and just this week as we're talking about this movie a quiet place part two today will cross 200 million at the box office and in its fourth week out it just retook number one over every other movie that was new and coming out. So A Quiet Place Part 2 as of this weekend was back at number one at the box office. So don't tell me that horror is not saving Hollywood right now because since the theaters have started reopening, we have seen so many horror movies dominate the box office. And this one is clearly going to lead to a third one. And Trent, you mentioned Killian Murphy, but you also just like kind of get like Digimon Hansu thrown in at the end for five minutes which leads me to believe that you know if there's a third one could he come back and we get a little bit more about uh the, you know where they end up in this movie but again every it, it's essentially everything the first movie was just up like three decibel levels
3: it was such a different experience seeing the second one in the theaters because I watched the first one just like streaming at home like I never got to see it in the theater and it's just such a different experience it's so like all-encompassing and you're just like there's nowhere else for you to look except for the screen and it's just like dead silent in the theater and it's so much more terrifying that way I don't think I've ever jumped As much during a film as I did during A Quiet Place too, because I was alone in the theater watching it by myself. Obviously, there are like other people in there, but I probably just looked like a crazy person because every two seconds I'm just like jolting up and like my hands are going and I'm doing like spirit fingers on accident, and it was just terrifying. Um, But it just it starts off with such a bang, you know. It's such a contrast to the first one because you're hearing all this like normal dialogue and you're experiencing all this normal life that we obviously didn't really get in the first one um i definitely left the theater very quietly like i was like why are all these people talking like i felt like a weirdo just like walking back to my car <laughs> like, from the nickelodeon just being <laughs> like everyone be careful there might be things about like it's just such absolutely worth it to go I love to the that theater feeling. oh my god it was so weird but i love it and i missed it because this was the first movie i've seen at the theaters since the before times, so I think it was an an awesome one for to go see for sure. Um, I loved Emily Blunt even more in this one because she's just like the protector, like she is in charge of this family. She's, you know, taking care of this sad little baby, and then the other two, and then there's like, you know, the, I, I warmed up to the to the kid, to the man, boy child because at first I was mad at him I'm like why are you screaming stop screaming you know I know there's like a bear trap situation but you got to be quiet kind of situation but I warm up to him but she's just like in charge of all this and they're just all so good at acting it's like the first one was a warm-up and then the second time they all had it all down pat and they're all just so ready to take on these monsters but I thought Honestly, I thought it ended perfectly the way I wanted it to. I'm excited for there to be a third one um, if it's in the cards. Um, It's definitely. This is my favorite. This is my favorite uh, movie so far this year, for sure. Um, I loved it so much that I made my friend go with me to go see it again the second time. And she hated it it was terrifying to her but she loved it but it was that moment where i was sitting there watching her jump at all the places that i jumped to like during the film like yep you get it you understand oh, but it, it was just so good um i'm sad that we didn't have a lot of john krasinski but mm. i think killian murphy really filled that void for me he could be the daddy of this film for sure uh, his beard not as well kept as I as Krasinski's was in the first one, so maybe he should work on that. Uh, but other than that, I loved it. Ten out of ten. I'd probably go see it a third time. Well, unfortunately,
1: I don't know enough about uh, the Bible or Christianity or Catholicism to really continue to trace the the narrative themes in this one. This is just a good old fashioned great horror sequel. Uh, dystopian zombie... I mean, it's kind of indistinguishable from a zombie apocalypse. It's the same thing. And, you know, we've seen lots of those movies and we'll see many more. Um, it just does everything right. Uh, I did miss The Family a little bit. I wasn't... You know, it doesn't give me quite the same... Um, breadth of feeling as the first movie but man there is just nothing to com- to complain about in this and it does introduce the mission um, you got away with no mission in the first movie but these types of movies like I said usually have some sort of mission so in this movie uh, Regan has now picked up a a radio signal i guess the family has picked up the signal i think actually it was uh uh, marcus the son who picks up a radio station somewhere out there broadcasting the song beyond the sea over and over and over all day that's all the station is is beyond the sea so this is the first sign that somebody is still
2: what's that kevin under the sea i think it's beyond the the sea I'm just fucking. Oh, okay. thank you. Oh.
3: <laughs> Under the sea. I, 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 want,
2: I just wanted that one second of self doubt, and and for you to immediately think of the Little Mermaid.
3: Well, obviously. I,
1: <laughs> no, it was. You know what? It it was worth it for the moment. I realized it was an incorrect correction, <laughs> and then I was elated. <laughs> <laughs> so Regan decides that. She is going to sort of be the uh, proactive figure here. She's kind of taking the mantle of protecting the family in a very uh, proactive, uh, aggressive way. She has got to go find the signal because the signal is life. So they are out there. Um, And that kind of begins the mission of this movie, which I think that it needs to propel itself. Um, So maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not as uh, deeply philosophical as the first movie. But I loved it, and I loved that feeling that you were talking about, Kat, when you leave a movie and you still feel like you're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, seeing something like The Road reminded me of that. Then, like, you're walking to your car, looking over your shoulder, you're waiting for something to come running at you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, like, that's as good as as movie going gets. And this movie does that, and it keeps it very small. I also liked um, that nobody's gone anywhere from the first movie. It's so linear that you're still going back to Larkins uh, again. Like, they haven't, like, you know, it's not taking place in some sort of, you know, alternate universe. They're just still right where they were. And I, I thought that kind of lent some realism, like how far would you really get? you got the baby, you've got two other kids. Um, they only make it as far as this new fortress that... um Murphy's character is it Cillian or Killian?
4: I was gonna ask that. It's
3: Killian because it's a Killian. If
4: I ever got a turn, I was gonna ask that.
3: Oh.
1: Well, I, I, you were taking, you know, you know what happened is I, I took do. your turn because you were putting your baby
4: back in the <laughs> box. baby box. Yeah. I thought of that because I was about to like close the box. I was put the dog in the SUV and I was about to close it and come back in, and then I was like, oh, she needs air, so I went back and like cracked the windows. But yeah, she was whining. Uh, she would definitely be, I mean, if anyone around me We'd was be loud dead. at all, I would just yeah. throw them to the wolves. Like, oh, you want to make a noise? Bye.
3: Yeah, I don't know if you can tell there's no dogs in either of these right. movies because they've been taken out.
4: <laughs> I, I'm now getting confused which one had, I think it was the first one had a really good raccoon death. But I love the, I love the storytelling in the second one. Um, it's great, especially for an action movie. Um, it does these, like, parallel storylines where, well, they do parallel imagery like when they, they split up. And I, I think it's really cool how they do that. Um, someone will go underwater and uh, someone else be holding their breath or, like, at a lack of air inside that little tank. But um, I thought that th- this answered a lot of questions, especially with the way that it opened. Um, whereas the first one just opens completely cold and you figure it out pretty quickly but this one really like tells it fills in a lot of the the holes that the first one kind of was vague about and I thought it did it well I I wouldn't expect this wasn't really on my radar I had very low expectations for Mm. this for some reason I loved Mm. the first one but I just kind of thought of it as I don't know it wasn't as now together the two uh, are even better to me. Mm-hmm. So, it's-
2: I, I mean, I think I, I. so what all of you guys just said. Yes. So, Dave, like you're talking about how like the cold open fills in so much, but it doesn't. And I love it for that. It gives you something that you wanted from the first 10 minutes of the first movie and like little Easter eggs. But that's it it doesn't like beat you over the head with like and here's how the government's fought them and here's how we ended up where Mm -hmm. we are it just shows Mm -hmm. you the family again and it does a really nice job of introducing killian murphy to be like here's how we're going to progress this story forward and trent like you said it opens it up but it keeps it small so it opens up their universe but on one path they only have one path the mission that you talked about so like we're going to open it up we're going to take it outside the farm but all you got to do is get to the water and get to this island that's it so we're not like beating you over the head, and we don't. We give you the one flashback. And Kat, you said like you would have loved some more Krasinski, but like he had to step aside mm-hmm. so that Millicent Simmons could be the star of this movie. Killian Murphy is an afterthought in this movie. It's after Gilligan. You look at Millicent. <laughs> Gilligan. <laughs> <laughs> after you look at Millicent Simmons and Emily Blunt, and I think one of the things that Krasinski was maybe trying to do is make the kids the star of this movie. He wanted like Millicent and maybe Noah Jupe, Marcus, to be the stars of the movie. But let's fake it, let's face it. You guys talk about Bo in the first movie, you know, being expendable. Dave, you were happy he he was gone quick. Mm -hmm. And then Kat, you want to get rid of the baby as soon as possible. Look, Marcus sucks at living in this universe and the fact that he has survived this long blows my mind because everybody else should be dead because of Marcus, but mm-hmm. they just keep finding ways to keep this kid alive. Mm-hmm. And that's then, true. La- sorry, sorry, go ahead.
4: I just said it. I was just agreeing with you.
2: Oh, and then the the multiple the multiple storylines that you talked about, Dave. That I think that's my favorite part of this, and it, it probably makes me love John Krasinski and believe in him. In, in a third one and whatever he wants to do in our genre going forward, because he directed this and he wrote this by himself. This is a huge step forward in directing because some of those sequences you're talking about, he has up to three storylines going where he's showing like parallel imagery. And the second time I, I noticed it the first time, but the second time when I was like, okay, I'm waiting for it now and I can really watch it. It's, it's mesmerizing and it like literally gets you so engaged and so energized. Like gave me goosebumps a few times like uh, the adrenaline was pumping. Uh, I mean, this is definitely more action than the first one, but I, I don't know why this one just hit me. I want, I really wonder if he, speaking of aliens, if he took a page out of aliens and was like, all right, I just got to up the action element, but in my own little box that I've created here that I will then stuff a baby into.
4: He focuses on like what's really important to get people to enjoy a movie and not like yeah. there's plot holes. You can question all kinds of things and whatever, but you don't want to because you're invested in the characters and you're invested in, in their safety. And
3: And I think um, I think one of my favorite things about the opening of the second film is that, you know, you go through the whole first one. And there's this sad dynamic between father and daughter of obviously, like, she gave her brother the toy back but then he sneakily put the batteries in like so there's obviously this animosity and there's some weird tension going on so it's nice to see the opening of the second one in which you see how close that they really were in the before times like they Hmm. were each other's she wants to go home
2: with him from the baseball game
3: yeah like they were definitely like super close and so that was like a very nice insight into how their relationship was before they had to you know deal with the uh the monsters and like all this sad things.
2: But in in the in the opening, that's one of my favorite parts. Is when he runs into the store and he's getting like apples and he's got to get to the baseball game. He walks right by that spaceship from mm-hmm. the first movie, and in, in and and uh, in the first movie, it's still sitting on the same shelf 470 days later.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and not to get um, you know to. Um... I don't know with it, but you know, one of the things that is so effective, you were talking about Kat, the the fam- the familial relationships are so believable and uh, Krasinski is out, you know, he's done a lot of press for both of these movies, obviously, and uh, he's talked about how he used his parents as a model in his marriage to Emily Blunt and his uh, role as a father to their kids. And... You can really see like i feel like most of the time most of the movies that we watch and and most of the movies even outside of the genre that i tend to be more interested in you're always like examining the breakdowns of these institutions like you know family and and faith and and things like that and like this movie is so like heartwarming both of the movies Mm -hmm. uh, are so heartwarming in those depictions and i've read krasinski talking about how like he came from a good home and his parents really loved each other and supported each other and they had a nice family and all Must that be nice. you don't really yeah you, that's not usually <laughs> usually it's like yeah i made this movie to uh, deal with the trauma of my uh, terrible family and mm-hmm. the abusive priest who was right you <laughs> know all of this stuff so it's like it's so weird to see something that Actually, you know, feels good on that level, and, and then find out that you know it, it was sort of intended on that level. But I thought the scariest thing about A Quiet Place Part Two, uh, scarier than anything, was eating popcorn. Did you guys experience that when you were in the theater? Like, it's very hard to eat popcorn while oh. you watch this movie because it's so quiet. <sighs> You, everybody in the whole place is like you gotta pick your moments like, Oh, the mustard is wrecking stuff. Now's <laughs> the time. You gotta shovel the popcorn in, yeah, do your rustling around if you're looking for napkins or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're gonna jingle your keys. You gotta really pick your spots.
3: Yeah. I was
2: eating nachos.
3: Here's the thing. Wow. <laughs> you gotta open those snacks Lude. during the previews.
2: I picked nachos the second time I saw it cuz I knew that I could like anticipate when the monsters were coming and then mm. it was like cheese chip cheese chip <laughs> cheese chip <laughs> stop
1: <laughs> Wait Kat, you you have an open open package during preview policy
3: For this one I did of course Yeah because I knew it was going to be a quiet place Shh. But I did um I had to pee I will fully disclose I had to pee during the second one the second viewing um, of a quiet place, too. And I knew when to pee. But then, obviously, <laughs> on my way up, I knocked my popcorn over. Oh, my God. And it was a faux pas, if you will. And so I'm sure I ruined the experience for everyone else. But, uh, but what can quiet I do? Quiet place number
2: two.
4: <laughs> no, I had to
3: pee.
2: <laughs> can you imagine having to take a dump in this world? Yeah. How do you get around <laughs> I know. It
4: would not work. Anything at all. I don't see.
1: Yeah. Okay. I. This is where, you know, I don't want to, again, get political, but I, like <laughs> you do. I think you do. I don't like Does pooping make that much noise. Really? I mean, I, feel like my, for I me, can make like, my farts quiet, it's but not, my poop yeah. is
4: loud.
3: What do you, how loud?
4: I'm. I'm not even in a hurry. I like block out like forty five minutes to spend pooping. Yeah,
3: sure. You don't want to rush it,
4: but yeah, but I, it's still loud. Are you?
3: Is it a grunting or like a? What no, you...
4: no, no. It's the sphincter and air <laughs> suctioning and all the, whatever happens in their Science is. It's science, Kevin. I'm sorry if this is getting you again. We're back on the poop yeah. train.
2: <laughs> poop train. I brought it. I brought it up, and I'm now I'm thinking about how they could get yeah, around Yeah, now, the now sound. you're bringing up your dinner. Me sick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: so, back to the whole Killian Murphy thing. I think that's a really important thing because I think a lot of people watch this movie and thought that it was okay. Well, Killian Murphy or, or Trent. I think you even talked about it. Like, it gets a, a little bit away from like some of like the really deep family things, where they get away from the family because now they're split up, and most of the movie they're apart and dealing with separate, separate things. You know, some are on a mission. But I really like how Killian Murphy's character, even though you know, they intentionally I think push it down from Millicent Simmons and um and Emily Blunt, I like how Millicent and Killian's journey works, where, you know, you talked about how most of the time we're watching these films, we're dealing with a breakdown of traditional family values. And in this one, we meet somebody who has lost their family and has clearly gone through a really, really not, you know, oh, I got divorced from my wife. It's, oh, no, like my son and daughter got eaten by monsters, mm. and my wife got sick, and here she is. Oh. Um, and the whole time he's trying to reconcile that. And it's so funny how in in, in a quiet place, one Krasinski and, and Millicent, they really like are the heartbeat of the movie, and they come together at the end. And in quiet place, two, Killian Murphy and Millicent Simmons do the same thing Mm -hmm. in a completely different way where she brings his character full circle. And so, like, Trent, you were talking about, we typically see these movies, you're going to see, like, oh, cannibals and, like, you know, dystopian clans that are, like, fighting for minerals and all this stuff. And we see it for, like, a couple minutes, but it's literally only to drive the narrative forward of the relationship between Millicent and Killian. And then you see it again on uh, on the the destination they get to the the radio station that's this broadcasting and you see it grow again but the most heartbreaking moment i think for me in the entire movie is when you know Killian murphy you know he brings back the whole uh, sign for dive mm-hmm. that is from the very beginning oh, of yeah, the movie oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. she brings that back and then a little bit later you're in the very ending of the movie and he you know she's trying to to get him to like Come on, you can do this and she's telling him like you're just like him, and Killian Murphy looks at her and says, I'm not like him, you are.
1: Mm. Yeah, which, you know, it may be getting a little too cute with it for
2: me it was- by that point. But I we're getting
1: into like Godzilla okay, versus sorry. Kong. I'll, I'll get
2: back into <laughs> theology in a second so I can bring you into church.
4: Did I I, I can confirm uh, I can confirm that it's Killian, I think kill. we already
1: yeah we established kill 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 Killian yeah we yeah oh Killian Killian yeah Killian you got
4: tried it. to do Killian Killian yeah. yeah
1: I got it the first time um, uh, and, I just liked him being <laughs> in it because uh, <laughs> it reminded two episodes. it reminded me I don't know I don't know the guy I'm hey. sorry <laughs> I haven't met Killian Murphy okay I've well, only read about I believe him. that was the
4: first time you said it right
1: well I've never if heard you, it if you do how, tell him
4: his beard sucks I don't I, I don't again like his beard.
1: I don't know the guy, but it, it made me uh, it reminded me even more of 28 Days Later, mm. which I think is a really, really great movie that has held up well. And we talked about back on Zombie Mania. So having him in this to me almost just like gave it even more like sort of like heft in the lore, the horror lore department. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost, it's almost like, you know, bringing back. Uh, or when when uh, a sequel will like bring in someone from uh, a previously legendary movie. you know, it's kind of like one of those moves that I think it's just one another one of those things that we've talked about that the movie does keep doing, even though it's such a mainstream, family friendly, crowd pleasing blockbuster. It keeps doing those little things that do like, you know, demonstrate some knowledge um, of the horror genre, even though, John Krasinski has, you know, openly and admittedly um, said that he was never into horror movies until Mm -hmm. he made A Quiet Place, Um, that script was bouncing around the original script by um, Woods and Beck was bouncing around i think it was it paramount that had the script first and um and krasinski was looking for movies and he wanted to do this whole thing about you know uh, parenthood and um he he wasn't schooled at all in the genre which is another amazing aspect um to do something that is going to be without question in my mind anyway a, a classic from here forward as like a newbie it's not like you know a lot of times when somebody crosses genre like jordan peele you mentioned dave Um, And you listen to them, and they talk about, you know, uh, I love Chud, and I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I grew up on VHS horror and stuff like that. Krasinski, not at all, like quite the opposite. He just is really good, I guess, at making movies.
3: Yeah, and I think think my favorite thing about Killian Murphy, bring it back to Killian, because I love him. I want to smooch him, obviously. But... My favorite thing about his character and like his interaction with the daughter is that he is absolutely coming from a place where he does not know sign language at all. And that's what we like see in the beginning of the second one. And so it's that moment of seeing how other people did not communicate well in that moment. Like this family was very specific in that they were able to communicate like silently but then Killian comes and he's like I don't know I don't know what you're saying to me like I don't know how to communicate with you and so that was like a very interesting aspect to like to bring a different character in because in the first one all you see is this one family you know but then you bring in this this other guy in the second one and it's that moment of them trying to communicate and and go from there and so that was a very
2: interesting Uh, aspect for me exactly that and uh, and another tie-in that i hadn't even thought of until you were saying that cat is we like bring in this other character but we realize that in the first movie john krasinski keeps going up onto the grain silo and lighting fires and he's mapping out the other fires that light up at night and like which ones are going out and which ones are staying lit and what emily blunt and the family goes to at the beginning of the second one is one of the fires that they've seen lit every single night and by the way it's this guy that you used to your son used to play baseball with and used to sit on the stands with every you know saturday
3: yeah but then also why was he like i guess i'm just wondering why was he lighting that fire if once we find out you know emily blunt's like were you ever gonna come for us and he's like no right so why was he right. lighting that fire for no reason
2: was it for other what? people good question and That's I, one of a couple things to figure out. One, I, I'm guessing that he was hoping that, like, the government was going to come save him. Yeah. Right. Ho- I think okay. he was like, this is where you'll see me get saved. I'm not interested in a woman with a kid that just got stuck in my bear trap and her deaf daughter and her baby in a box. That's not <laughs> like, what I was lighting that fire baby. for. Yeah. I'm guessing. The other thing I'd like to know that we talked about last time, what the hell are the monsters doing? In the whole first movie, I was like, they're eating people. They're here to, like, eat us for food. Mm-mm. No, they are just swatting people around. There is literally no point to why we are getting destroyed if we so much as fart.
1: Those are some good questions, and I want to tack on, Kat, to your question about what did Killian Killian's character, uh, what was he expecting? And I would agree with Kevin that he was expecting rescue. But also, I, I would like to know, what why does he have the bear trap? He has his whole little compound like right. mm-hmm. booby trapped. Like, w- was he trying to booby trap the monsters? Well, no, because the booby trap is attached to something to a noisemaker, unless. Well, right. s-
3: but so, there's that whole thing where he, you know, there's that scene where he says, you know, the people that are left are not worth saving. Right. So I assume he thinks anyone right. that comes onto his property want is trying there. to attack him. Right. Blah blah. So right. he's okay. trying to get them taken out All on right. the way in. I'll buy both of those answers.
4: Okay. You know, say they, they mentioned that in the area that they're in, there's four or five of these creatures. And I was saying that if this, you know, really happened, that people would be like, "Oh, I'm not going to be quiet. You can't make me be quiet." It's my rights. I'm free. I'm American. <laughs> I'm going to be as loud as I want. And then the monsters would be overworked. They would have not enough time to get to us who are just even moderately quiet. But there'd be people throwing like, you know, quiet place monster yeah, yeah. barbecues there and would be- <laughs> drag races. <laughs> yeah. and they'd be- Yeah. And no masks.
2: Giant, giant flags. I will not be quiet. Just yeah. There would be down the road. Killed.
1: There would be an equivalent to the anti-maskers that would exist in this world with like noisemakers and (laughs) you know like the (laughs) horns from like baseball games and stuff. What
2: if what if like part three is like you can get a vaccination that 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 you can't make noise as a person anymore?
1: Free speech. (laughs) Hey, do we have free speech in this country? I'm sorry, but but, but the vaccination (laughs)
2: would immediately teach
1: you sign language. I'm not going to be quiet for anyone. I'm not going to quiet down. I get
4: sign language for you, pal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a middle finger. We haven't really talked about the sound design much, which is such a uh, character of both of these movies that the sound design is kind of a star. We talked about how all the scenes from Regan's point of view are totally silent. Um, And we've talked about some of the way that uh, the jump scares, and everything is accentuated by noise, Um, the way that the monsters, it always shows things happen, and then it shows the monsters hearing those things. Um, I didn't really get too deep into how the sound design was done for this one. Kevin, what do you know about that?
2: Yeah, Krasinski was pretty smart. For uh, the first one, he used uh, Eric Adal, who did Godzilla's scream from the 2014 version of Godzilla. And I'm guessing that that's what we would have seen with all of the monster screams. It sounds it sounds pretty reminiscent. Um, but for all the other sound design, he used someone named Eva Van Der Ryn, who did Lord of the Rings 2 and Argo. And that, I think, makes a lot of sense when you get into like some of the subdued or really like like you talked about, like when things sort of like phase out and phase in. So really good sound design. The music itself for both movies was done by Marco Beltrami, who did the first thing that I noticed he did was Guillermo del Toro's Mimic, but he also did classic 90s high school horror movie, The Faculty. He did World War Z, Snowpiercer. So a pretty, pretty solid like sound crew and music crew over the whole thing. And for the effects in this, uh, obviously he went with Industrial Light & Magic for the effects. But I love reading that John Krasinski himself did the motion capture for the monsters in this movie. So he himself got into like whatever suit you have to get in it into it put up like whatever sensors you have to and do all the motion capture. So not just sound design, but also some of the creature effects and stuff like that. Um I wasn't I couldn't find who did sound design for the second one, but I know, like I said, that Marco Beltrami returned for the music.
4: It reminds me of like a uh, great album because it's these sequences of scenes that are just super classic one after another and it, they could almost be in any order. They're just classic scene after classic scene, tension building, like tension and release. Um, I think it's perfectly like orchestrated like with uh, the camera work, there's very still camera work or like very slow zoom and then there's like handheld craziness uh the intro scene I think is great I love the the backwards car chase from the POV mm. in the car which you don't see that often it was like really grimy and jarring and it felt like a a
2: car accident yeah I mean c- cinematography is a big one in this like the first one he used a cinematographer named Charlotte Bruce Christensen and the only movie that I really am familiar with that this person's done is *The Girl on the Train*, which I liked a lot. And for um, for this second one, he went again with a different cinematographer named Polly Morgan, and I, I didn't recognize a whole a lot of a lot of movie or uh, TV's TV shows rather, uh, and a feature film called *Lucy in the Sky*, which I'm not familiar with. It says it's a science fiction drama. Um, But that one was co-written and produced by Noah Hawley. And and Noah Hawley, I've talked about on the show before. He's he's on a lot of TV as well. He's about to do a whole alien TV series that's uh, coming out. I don't think you're going to get a
1: more lauded film by the four of us at once who have all been to see we've all been to see it twice so Mm -hmm. i would urge everyone to go see a quiet place part two as soon as possible
4: and And, it's uh, family friendly there's like no swears in like either one
1: bring the kids chomp the popcorn just be careful open the snacks before bring your baby in a box